I loved living here, but I didn't love roommates, and that was the only way that it was going to make sense. Um, so I moved up. Uh, it's not upstate, technically. I moved to sure. Kingston. Like Technically, it is upstate from here, but it is not technically upstate. Upstate is after Albany and up. Yeah. So we got to get that clear for everybody. So it was, in some sense, New York was a good place to be a musician? It was great. I mean, I, I was writing all the time, and I was depressed all the time, and I didn't have enough money all the time. So it was a perfect situation to... What's the connection between the writing and, and the depression? Did the writing stave off the depression? Was the writing inspired by the depression? I think, you know, if, I mean, this is... It's hard to entangle, I'm sure. No, it's actually... Not, the thing was is I think I still... I'm, I'm glad where I, I live now. I mean, it's sometimes it feels a little slow compared to the places I've lived. But my what I wrote about was this kind of uh, how I wanted to be somewhere, how I didn't want to be in the city, kind of, and mm. how I didn't want to be in these relationships. But I was, you know, just constantly living through these stories and then writing them and then kind of idealizing, going back to where I grew up as like this kind of knowing that things could be okay, except that, you know, I didn't have the best childhood either so i don't know why i was always romanticizing that either are you finally in a place now where you're not thinking about where else you might live yeah yeah i yeah i go to therapy that's right <laughs> you probably answered it the right way but i i almost mean that literally yeah i i i i do but i realize that everywhere is going to have its sure its thing and yeah. and you know i'm i love i love where i live i work on my house i i run with my dog um and then I get to come here um, and freeze my ass off, yeah. and it's it's fun. Yeah, I don't know. It's I love coming down here because it just it all of a sudden I'm lost on a subway and kind of okay, I got to get my bearings, and but I do quickly, and there's a lot of energy here, so I love it. Do you, do you feel that the city itself was a source of depression for you? No, I probably just am a depressed person. <laughs> I can't blame. Well, I had, you know, I, I had a, a situation, uh, thankfully it's, you know, knock on wood behind me now, you know, where I was freelancing because I was kind of in between jobs and I I realized that uh, I wasn't really leaving, you know, two or three block radius, at which point it was like, what is, why am I paying to live in New York if I'm not actually going out and, you know, experiencing the joys of the city? I did the same thing, you but... Know? I would just wander. I mean, I didn't really – I always think about that when I come back. I see so much more when I come back for a day or two than I did for weeks, um, either around the corner from here where I first lived or uh, or in, uh, in all the parts of Brooklyn. I lived in every part of Brooklyn mm -hmm. that there is, almost. But uh, I, I wasn't – you know, I wasn't an adventurer totally except for just kind of that kind of weird wandering walking where you're not heading anywhere. Hopefully you'll stumble on something interesting. But yeah, but it, seldom would that happen. Sure. And um, Well, it's New York. You'll, there's always something interesting. I mean, of course. I mean, you're you're lost somewhere. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to find your way back home. Yeah. I do get the sense that New York just kind of amplifies everything. Depression is like that, too. It, it's almost ironic, you know, that you can you can feel that sort of that oppressive sense of loneliness in a city of 8 million people. And yeah, that was probably the most acute loneliness I've ever felt. But at the same time, you know, I did it to myself and I liked, it was strange how much I could focus with all the noise around me, mm -hmm. even with roommates and gosh, when I lived in Greenpoint and how that kind of 
pushed me further into my head. So I don't want to do it again. I used to be able to write full songs without a guitar, um, without a computer, without any kind of, like, everything. I was so deep in my head here. That doesn't sound necessarily like a bad thing. It's not, but I, the rest of my life stank, yeah. you know, everything. When you withdraw, you withdraw and focus on your art. Yeah, and there's probably other substances that fall sure. into the, that used to fall into the yeah. pot that I wouldn't, that... You weren't drinking art straight. <laughs> you had a mixer. I yeah, there were things, but it, it's better. I, I I just didn't know. How, I think I also you know I'm nervous around a lot of people. It's good to move to a city when you're nervous in front of and around people. Yeah. Uh, that's sarcasm. You're, you're generally an introvert by nature. I'm not around, not like one on one or with people I know, but. Yeah. No, so you are, you are, you have, that absolutely makes you an introvert. Okay. I mean, okay. That, that's the thing. You know, this is something I've sort of figured out about myself. I had an ex who once asked me, like, I, I don't understand how you can, you know, do a podcast and talk to a stranger or go on stage or go on TV and be fine. But I, if I take you to a party, you don't know anyone, you completely shut down. And that, I think, I think those things can be hard for people to reconcile in themselves that, you know, you, you're obviously a performer. And you do a lot of interviews and, you know, and you're, you're kind of like putting yourself out there. You're talking to strangers in, in that way, in a performative way, uh, but in a kind of more crowded sort of casual situation, you tend to shut down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, parties, I don't know why I idealize parties, too, because they're seldom, yeah. they're seldom great. And um, uh, I don't know, dancing in public, all these things have kind of a they can be painful but they can also be amazing uh i think uh i don't know how i uh it is weird to think about getting on stage in front of people and performing and being almost too shy to then talk to them sometimes but i loved i loved performing i mean i'm going to come back to it i just have to i have to work my way back to it where are you right now with all of that <laughs> I'm close. Uh, like we're going to talk totally in kind of sound shapes or esoteric. Well, l let's let's back up a second, you know, and and me, I, you know, I've been I've been following your stuff for a while. I actually interviewed you a long time ago when the um, the winter EP came out. That must have been winter songs yeah, with the oh the hotel. Wow, the, yeah, a long time ago for like probably skyscraper or something like that that's you know, cool but, i wasn't a dick was i no no okay I good so. <laughs> yeah. i i no, you, if I'm, you were a dick yeah. i would remember it's okay one good because you know I mean? like, this could be one of those confrontation yeah. <laughs> like no, no, intervention no, no, no. type things but, uh you know i was going back and kind of reading you know your most first of all not a ton of super recent interviews and then the ones from a few years ago were all about you quitting music yeah i i there are two reasons for saying that one you want to get these sleazy industry people off like you want to shake them off your tail um you're faking your own depth a little bit and then also i also didn't want to do this with the kind of expectation the, the tour release uh schedule of life is is just something i don't want to participate in again it's it's something that in your like early 20s it's much easier to deal with i would assume i don't even know if it was easy then i yeah. think i think it's a lot of the people we worked with, I mean, I've worked with some great people, but there were a lot of people that just didn't care about either us as a band, me as a person, what you go through to have to like go on tour, make sure everyone stays alive and doesn't kill each other. I guess that's the same thing, but it, 
it just got to be too much. And then people that I trusted just were pushing me and then trying to get things from me. And I, I, we've kind of slowly built back up writing albums and releasing mm -hmm. them. And, um, and I'm excited about kind of getting back into it again. Is Matt Pompier dead? I will do, well, I'm going to always play those songs. Yeah. I mean, I just don't want to show up and say my name. I, I cannot say my name this much anymore. I, it was hard to say that my name that much. I, what does that mean? You just always like, uh, you know. Oh, like we're Matt Pompier. Yeah. Hello, Houston. Um, it's so funny because I always thought that you know the kind of the pain in the ass of having that name would be the PA part and not living in PA. Yeah, I mean, people told me to change it. Uh, I really liked Philly. I liked the kind of the arc of the time I lived there and how we kind of built up there. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't want to change that. But then, you know, I, when I do something again, when we release this album we're working on that's taking forever, I want it to be a, a group effort and I want everyone to feel the same amount of pain that I'm feeling. <laughs> but no, I want... That's very thoughtful of yeah, you, I Matt. Want, I want everyone to, to share, like, yeah. touring, I think that, Hey, let's after cost. Let's just split it all, okay? Because we're all in this together. And if everyone were just, I don't feel like waking people up. Like, wake up, you know. Uh, everybody does this, and we you can, don't want to have to be dad. I don't, you know, I don't want a tour manager, and I don't want to be a tour manager in that situation. Now, I don't mind doing tour managing for other people, mm -hmm. but I not for myself, and not for like. I want people to see that you know you can. You can make money at music and you can enjoy it too, but it really does take kind of an egalitarian effort to really do it. And I've come close with people, but a lot of bandmates too, you know, they, it's, it's hard. It's ego. My name was on the marquee. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't want that. I could have, I have an ego, but it's not kind of in, it's not in, in the name or in anything that's obvious. It's in a strange place and I can't, uh. Probably shouldn't talk about it. No, I don't know. <laughs> Why wasn't there a proper band name? I tried a few times in Philly, and I think people liked the separation. They liked, you know, it was funny because when good things were happening, I would include everyone. But when bad things happened, you know, I just had to take it all, like bad reviews. Yeah. You get a bad review, and it's my name there. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's – and then I kind of – I I would – make myself more obscure and more obtuse in interviews. And I don't think I was helping myself. Like, that's probably another reason why I kind of wanted to be like, okay, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't have to kill yourself and tour to, to do something. But I do like performing. I do want to, I do want to play all like, you know, I don't play my own songs day to day. Um, I do them when I get ready to, to tour and by that point I'll, I'll I've totally forgotten them and uh, have to relearn them and that's always exciting you know that's it's like a you can do them different ways you can I don't know there's it's I almost have optimism about it I'll watch it, those those old uh, those old interviews with Bob Dylan and you know doing what I do for a living I tend to have empathy for the interviewer yeah he wasn't always so nice to the yeah I'm, I'm wondering if you feel like a sense of empathy for him at, at the him having that kind of reaction because you know one it's his name on the project and two because of the way he writes people feel the need to kind of really to prod 
Well, he was Bob Dylan, so he kind of could do whatever he wanted sure. to. And I think from a quick – I think that persona was one he was quick to adopt. Yeah. I think he like – I mean he changed his name to this kind of, uh, you know, slick name and kind of uh, – and he was a m- incredible – it was a brilliant person who mm-hmm. could outthink someone before, you know, they were done questioning him. I, it's – I – I don't know. Sometimes what he did seemed kind of cruel, but he's brilliant. I always, you know, I waver on Bob Dylan like through stages, like I'll worship him and then I won't want to hear him for a few months. And then you come back and, uh, but I think I've, (laughs) I could never do that. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to. I can't adopt a persona. That's probably one problem I've always had is I can never – I've worn tighter trousers and I've like, you know, had nice jackets and, the you know, but that has never made me any different. So I could never, you know, especially at parties or when I lived in New York and, you know, you're, you're rubbing elbows with all sorts of fancy pants and other bands – and I would just open my mouth and sound like some kind of like you know hazy. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so. do, you, do you feel though that being too transparent or too honest has been a detriment to you? Uh, only to <laughs> only to music industry people. I wouldn't want to do yeah. it any other way. Those people, yeah, because they say they're your friend, and you're like you're my friend, and now you're going to take all my money, yeah. and that's just that's just gross i mean that's but that's to everyone in music and everyone falls for it too and you had heard that story a billion times before you fell for it yeah but you fall for it because you're like oh i love you know i i want to you know i want to keep making music you know i never wanted to be rich early on when you know it's funny because early on we licensed music to to tv and film and people were like that's a sellout now people couldn't yeah license music fast enough you know so It's it's the only way to make money Streaming does make money. Uh, labels aren't as clear as they could be. They kind of obscure these facts from mm. people. I mean, you find that out when you put stuff out on your own on a, you know, yeah. on a smaller level. Like, if you're doing pretty well as a band and you're getting streams, you are making money. And you think that so so at your level right now, without record label interference, you could make a living from streaming? Uh, no, but you know, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it doesn't hurt. And yeah, sure. um, you know, it's just a hustle kind of, and it's it's a good hustle. Like I do a bunch of things, and we keep a lot of we work on several projects at once. Mm-hmm. And I always just keep feeling stronger as I get older, which is crazy. Like I run more, I work out more, not in like a an obsessive way, but it's just I guess it's this dog that makes me do all that. But um, or I don't know, I just feel more um, in control of what's happening around me, and I. I enjoy that. Uh, you know, it's nice to have a label tell you they love you and take you out to dinner, but mm-hmm. you're paying for that dinner. Yeah. <laughs> They're billing you back for yeah. it. Yeah, and, and then everything else, too. The idea of quitting music, then, was never really about quitting music. No. It was just so that I would not be sued or held accountable for some of the kind of moves that I was making. Did it work? Uh, marginally. I mean... <laughs> I've gotten some lawyers to help me get things from some people, you know, really cool people that will work pro bono. Yeah. I could use a couple more and then I could be done. I just – I want my master's back. 
you know, if I can get all my masters back, then I'll be happy. So it was less about changing the kind of music that you wanted to make and more about regaining control of the older oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. It was gaining control of the business part, but also gaining control of, like, the tra- it's a hard word to say, trajectory. I don't, I didn't want to keep jumping into situa like it's it's a big setup to do an album and a and then tour on it and then invest money in it and I was I even did it myself a couple of times and mostly you know it was it was successful but it was it was hard it was kind of like this is why people have labels this yeah. is why people have people helping them because it's it's a lot of work so I want to make sure that I'm set up enough in advance because when you do things yourself too you fall behind there's no one yelling at you except for yourself and i'm pretty easy on myself these days mostly i'm looking forward to it uh my bandmate is having another child he won't so that will affect but then how we do one thing but then we started to think about is that chris yeah chris hansen he's uh He's he's pretty amazing. He uh, yeah, this is kind of your life mate at this point. He's my like. my life mate. Yeah. Uh, and it's true because we get along really well, and then we argue really well. And we uh, he's he's brilliant. He's a brilliant musician, and I just have a bunch of sloppy ideas. And you know he makes he makes the stuff we do coherent. And he's a good guy, but uh, we drive each other crazy too. Do you feel like you've become more or less of a micromanager as you've gone on in your career? I'm just uh, probably more because there's yeah. more stuff like there's more elements now that fall under my control. Like everything that happens monetarily, I see. I can see it all. There's two ways you could have taken that answer, right? There was either uh, the business side or the music side. Well, you got to start with the business side yeah. because if you're not – and that's that's another thing. Like a, a lot of people I know, they <laughs> – The business is sort of an afterthought. They They let – you know, um, they'll work with a label or a manager, yeah. and they'll they'll kind of push that to the side. That That's doesn't precisely matter. why people work with labels and managers, right? <laughs> no, I mean, no, that shouldn't be, but that's no, why a lot of people do. And the problem is they're they're avoiding this thing, like really taking into account their taxes, the, yeah. their their what, how they want their money to be, how much money they are going to need, and you. You live, and I lived in this fantasy land mm. for a long, long time, and then it just kind of came crashing down. That I don't have money, and how, how did it come crashing down? I mean, where, where were you? What was the circumstance? Oh gosh, I don't want to talk bad about people, but I was with the. So I did. I recorded a, a few albums just down the street, yeah, from here, um, emblems and. Several hours later, and then we'd we'd work on a bunch of them up, um, not upstate at Bearsville Studios, <laughs> and it was such a great time. You know, we were so excited, but yeah. I didn't pay attention to anything that was happening financially. I just thought, oh, I was working with this manager, and he was doing our label stuff, and he had my back. He was my friend. You know, um, that's just not the way it is when things when the money gets tight. Yeah. So it was a really inspiring time because you don't when you don't have to think about stuff like that. It's it's great, but you're always going to have to and it it's not a bad thing if you can incorporate it i mean this is this sounds boring this is like an but we're having this talk probably or i'm veering there because it's tax time and i have everything laid out and i'm kind of and i try to make it fun now instead of this terrifying <laughs> you know yeah micromanage that but also yeah micromanage the process but our process is always fluid so since chris is having a kid and since you know, we're kind of three quarters of a way through an album, but if 
you know, once he has the next kid, he's going to be kind of hard to reach. And I just realized, I was like, why don't we score something through our side project Mm -hmm. that we can, that just feels good right now and doesn't stress us out. And that's what's crazy. It's like we can totally take this kind of left turn and and enjoy what we're doing and then see how it turns out. I mean, maybe I'll have the nicest kid in the world. It's possible. It's probably not going to happen, but it's possible. But then we can just jump back into this. Whereas if we go at what we're doing with this kind of deadline, it, I mean, everyone has a deadline, but I think it would kill what's good about what we're making in that realm. So we're just... Since I don't like winter, we're kind of scoring summer in a more um, in a way that will make sense and line up with summer when it happens. So it's a very vague feeling, but I want to feel that and I want to write about it, bring back literature and read about summer and kind of, I mean, by the time summer gets here, it's going to be too hot and everything smells like garbage and all that. But that kind of summer um, feeling that you have in winter where it's perfect um and you can really just lose yourself in it is where we just decided to turn so that's what's happening it is interesting how much of your work is defined specifically not just by seasons but by those two seasons well i try to i i spread it around i mean spring always feels so um like it's gone before it's there sure i mean especially in new york yeah you know, I always wanted to get away from the, like, oh, you, I don't want to write about nature and I don't want to write about... It's all that really seems tangible now. I mean, I'm not going to write about my cell phone and the things that I see on it, although that comes into music now more and more in kind of... Um, I'm trying to make it funny because this is a strange new world we're in. And, but it all pushes me back to being outside more and yeah. reconnecting with this thing. And, I mean, I don't want to be boring and you like here's summer one more time you've heard it before but now i'm gonna do it again you know you know the jonathan richmond song springtime in new york are you familiar with that one i don't but there's this gosh there's a song a jonathan richmond song that i was listening to over and over again just recently off of the i think it's i jonathan is that okay that's record one, yeah it's one of his early, uh earlier yeah. records. yeah okay tell me what you were telling me oh no springtime in new york is just this he does a really good job of writing a song that's ostensibly about a season but it's really about life in the city and and you know this couple getting together in spring and breaking up in in the winter and just using it's very very funny because it's jonathan richmond it's just using the the seasons as the framework for something else sure i yeah i uh i guess i use the seasons as a framework for something else but for this i just want it to be kind of pure joy or pure pain I could probably get into the metaphor a little bit more, but I haven't even. We just started, so it's it's just a, it's just like a a sense of something, and it's probably going to be instrumental too. So you are doing scoring for both imaginary and and real films. Yeah, is that as somebody who is in his head as much as you are, and who is a literary person and likes to write? Do you find writing instrumental music to be freeing? Oh my god, yeah, uh, I love it. I love it. It's 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 um it's been so much fun. Um it's not even we have no expectations for it except for to kind of get it out. It gets recognized a little bit. I don't know if it um connects with people, but it's 
it's almost like we just don't care at this point. I mean, it, not that we don't care. It's just we don't have this kind of... And it's kind of true of all the music we're writing and everything I've been working on is I, I, I'm, I'm not going to... You know, a few albums I put out were like heartbreakers, you know, because yeah. you put it out and then you just kind of either something goes wrong mm. or you get attacked in a certain way or the tour goes terribly or... Things you know, that really, in a sense, have nothing to do with the thing that you've created. Yeah, and you, you make this thing and you, you love it, but yeah. like there's so many outside factors that can kind of derail it. It's so, it's tenuous. And how is the instrumental divorced from that? Uh, it's just, we we care, but we just don't care. Like we just, it's <laughs> like, you know, we're going to make something that we really believe in. There, You know, I'm going to make up this budget that's within reason, within mm-hmm. our means. Um and then let's see if it if it goes somewhere. If it goes a little further, it's almost like what a label would do. Then you can kind of put more money into it. If if it is what it is, then that's it. But we still believe in it. It's like you know we're not going to kick ourselves off of our roster. You know we're not going to drop ourselves. We're it's so the expectations are different for instrumental music. Is that what you're getting at? I think, like I said, it's for everything we're doing. Yeah. Uh, but right now it's just that we can just find anything we want. Yeah. Make it. Hopefully, it's great. Hopefully, we'll have that kind of vision. Hopefully, it'll connect with a few people. And I mean, it's almost like starting out where I was supposed to start out. Mm. I mean, this is how it did start out. Everything was when I started out, and we had a couple records on polyvinyl. I expected nothing. I thought that we were just going to kind of tour and play to 150 yeah. people a night, and it would, and that's fun. You know, it's if if they're engaged, we played in. The dirtiest, best places across the country. I don't know if that can happen anymore. Um, it was it was just fun. People would just show up at these crazy places. I mean, Kilby Court in Salt Lake City is still there, and that's just one of the craziest places where you pull up on this on a tour. So yeah. many bands do this where, and it looks like you're you've landed in a shanty town, and there's kind of stray dogs running around and nobody to tell you anything, and then you run into some guy and you're like, we're looking for this place, and he's tells you you're there you're at kilby court and it's like a shack and you play a hot show to you know 70 people who are just so excited and it's like how did this happen you know it's such an experience um and that that's what keeps me excited like i want to do that again and and then build back i mean it's it's there's always another chance i mean until you're dead but until then. As somebody who essentially lived on the road for as long as you did, I mean, how, how difficult was it giving up that momentum and staying still? The, o- the only thing I love about it is um, the way that you get to live in the moment. Yeah. Like you don't – if something bad happened the night before or even if something good happened, you're – you're on to the next thing. You you can't kind of dwell on fights or 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 yeah. you you get over things with your friends, you get over things with your band, you have to or else you're you're done. Um and uh it was it was a cool way of living, but I just, you know, I started to get sick a lot and I started to, you know, I I was unhealthy. I kept getting increasingly unhealthy. And um, it's hard to be around that much alcohol and that much sleeplessness and that much. It's just not a, a healthy. Pl- it wasn't a healthy place when I was doing it. And I think, you know, people are more health minded now. I think people are more focused on being trying to be better to each other, although that doesn't seem to be working too well in the larger 
world. I think there's a way of doing it. I think I just have to kind of live my life as I have to, you know, I think fixing my life as a person was the most important thing. And then hopefully that will hold up when I shove it off to sea, you know, like, <laughs> or it'll sink. The, the part of actually getting off the road and staying put for a little while, that part wasn't difficult. You miss a few things, but I don't, I just, I just needed to, I think I needed to fix my brains. Yeah. yeah, sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I'll see, like, I'll see routings of people and, oh, yeah, that looks cool. And how, you know, in the middle of winter, they're experiencing summer somewhere. And, yeah. and how, you know, you show up in L.A. and it's just a really enthusiastic audience sometimes and or in Pacific Northwest or wherever and so far away. And people know you, know your music, and it's such an exciting thing. But I, I probably like writing songs more than I like anything else, even though it's torture and I'm having a little... I have waves of writer's block constantly through my life, but I still love it. Can you, can you isolate what, what sort of the part of the process brings you the most joy? Uh, I think... As you're kind of zeroing in on the end of an album and you kind of know what it is and you, you've been building this thing and you realize you've been sub, uh, subconsciously creating something that really resonates with you, but you haven't, you're only, you're finding out about it as it's happening. You've described your albums as concept albums and in some cases it's pretty obvious, you know, like the winter EP is, is yes. an obvious one. In most of these cases though, you know, is that something that you're seeking to do from the beginning or is it is that thing actually just really becoming, coming into sharp relief toward the finish line? I, I you know, I think it's always there, but if you can't say it too much while you're talking. Like I, yeah. if I were to tell you the concept of the album that we're working on now that is going to take a little while to finish... If I say it to you now and then I switch directions, sure. you know, then I really screwed it up and then it's like it's, you know. Do you feel like you're jinxing it? Yeah, or some I don't know, but you know, The Green Fury was about a friend who died. Emblems was kind of about switching between uh Philly and New York mm -hmm. um several years later, which is a hard one to say. Uh was just kind of the joy and pain of being in New York. I mean, I could go on and on about what what they are but there's a definite sense with like this this one you're working on right now for example that the concept is going to shift or at least evolve between now and the end i hope it doesn't i i really know what it's about the problem is the concept gets so tight that it, you have, and you're writing into it and yeah. you're kind of like writing into a funnel and and you can how many times can you use yeah you know, and it is about it is about I mean, this whole internet thing that's happening. Um, <laughs> um, no, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, I, it's, I, just, I, it's just it's just not. It doesn't seem to. There's so there's. It's just a strange. We are just really giving into it. Much. Is it broadly about politics or? I mean, I don't. I don't that, like. That's to, unavoidable, right? I no. It. I want to be political by just saying this is happening i don't want to be sure. political by i'm not uh i'm not like a joan baez person I, and i love i love some of her yeah. music but i can't um i don't want to do that I, I don't want to alienate people i feel like that's that's part of the problem is the the talking down to people is on and then attacking people is just not working anymore i don't know if it ever did but uh i think that there's there are people who i care about who have Different, different political opinions yeah. than me that almost seem like 
we should kill each other, except that I care about them. So I don't understand what's happening, and this is all exaggerated by that whole um, internet thing. And uh, the, just the will, like giving into it and then worshipping fame, like our worship of fame right now has kind of gotten crazy. Above fame, above art, fame above yeah. anything, money, fame, above anything. So what, what are you doing in your life to have a healthy relationship with online? Ugh. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like I can't take it too seriously. Like I won't ever – I'm not going to – I think I used an emoji a few times and yeah. I'm just – I'm not going to do that because it's not – it's not, it's not real to me. It's like it's. Like, I, I got in the trap of using them ironically, and then they sort of like crept in. Yeah, I mean that's how I was doing it. I mean I, you know, eight ball taco hot dog. Where you know I I sat in that circle for a long time, and then I thought I don't like this, and I want to just use words. And if that makes me sound like um, somebody's uh, parent or something, I guess that's what it is. But I. I don't want to give in to every – you don't have to give in to all of it, you know. I mean it helps to sell records and it helps to connect to people. So I'm not going to – I'm not above it. But it's – you know, my value is measured in followers or likes. Like yeah. this is crazy, you know. I It just doesn't – that's not that's not how it works. But if people aren't buying music and – I don't mind streams being a value. Um, I wish that they would – fix up the model and make it more lucrative for musicians in your current situation given that you've taken a step back from the road and you don't have that direct direct communication with people that if anything the internet has become a more valuable and important tool for you sure but people want to see you on tour and people want to see you uh so if you're not like my days aren't always exciting and i don't really know and i don't really want to you know, I can only think of a few things. You're right. You're right. This is the way to keep connected with people. But that's changed too. I mean, a few years ago, they're like, oh, content, content or yeah. something like that. And then that's just, that's become a completely, that's gone. I mean, I don't think a lot of people won't even remember that that was a time for musicians, but it was, and it was, I'm glad that, <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad that's over. Cause it was kind of like, I don't want to make things for nothing. Yeah, it's it's good to stay in touch and it helps it's it does work. I I just I can't think that way. Like I, I like to I like one day on, one day off. I I wanna just not pay attention to it. And I'm also someone that still likes email and that's become completely archaic now at this point. I have a lot of friends who say they just don't use email. I don't I kind of don't understand it. They wanna write texts that last for yeah. 20 pages. Yeah. I love email. Okay, good. See? I use email cool. all the time. Two I, last I'm people. a writer, so yeah. I'm in front of my computer all the time. I, I just – I need a long form. Yeah. I need to type with my hands and not with my thumbs. Um, I will do the other. Like I have begun – I was writing a story on my phone in bed last night and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just I'm, – I've become this monster. But I, 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 it's not a bad monster. Has your phone become – a tool for music making or at least lyric writing, note taking, things like that. I mean, I always use the memo on it yeah. to uh, get all my midnight yodels. Not for, you know, I sit at the computer and I record and then I, Chris and I dive in and that's how it's not a re- it's, it's, I don't want to think of it as my 
life in yeah. this thing. And I don't want to use it too much. It's it's a funny thing doing something creative that we find ways to kind of trick ourselves into being productive. You're a runner. You ha- you do or at least have done lucid dreaming. Um, you know, obviously, at least from the outside, you seem like a, a pretty prolific person. You put a lot of music out into the world. I feel like I haven't done enough, but I'm just going to say that because that's the voice that's always sure. going on in my head. Do You got to do more, Matt. Come on. Why is that voice saying that to you? Probably fear of dying maybe a little okay. bit, uh, which I'm not totally – I'm ready to die. I'm, I feel like <laughs> – Is that a good thing? Yeah. you. Always, everyone should – it's like taxes. You always have to yeah. be like – face it because it's going to happen. You're ready but you're not eager. No, I'm not – I'm not – I don't <laughs> – I'm not trying to. Okay. I just feel like it's going to happen. I want to face it with kind of – with with a good attitude. I, yeah. I wrote all the – I. Sometimes I think that I wrote all this music so I could then totally just, you know, I don't really, I don't listen to my own music, but when I'm older and, you know, whatever I am, I can just, there's so many albums to listen to. I, yeah. I can listen. It's, it's nice to just be able to point to it, like a, a thing that you made. That... Yeah. Um, I, I still, I still know I can do better. I still know I can articulate something better in a way that's going to click with someone in a way that I haven't done before. That's maybe, you know, who's that woman, Jay DeFeo, who made The Rose? Do you know about that? It's an obscure, it's a piece of, I think it's at the Whitney. Um, I don't know if it shows all the time, but it's this huge thing she made. Mm. It was a couple tons in San Francisco. It had to be taken out of her house by a crane. They put it at at a museum nearby and then kind of left it behind a wall for years. It's been restored, but that's what she was making for years. And then for the rest of her life, she was kind of doing reiterations of that in in a certain sense. And so, you know, until that point, you know, when people would bring up seasons or or nature, things that I like to use as kind of a, um, I don't know, a border or even as the full subject, the, I felt... You were worried that you were spinning your wheels earlier? Yeah, and, and what I've realized is, you know, you come back to these things in order to try to get deeper into it or to discover another whole angle of it. So therefore I can write an instrumental album about summer that will sound like nothing else that we've ever done. And that's what I'm going to do and I have to do it and I'm excited about it. And so I don't know what the point and why I got so fired up about this, but I am fired (laughs) up. Like I'm, I guess, what were you saying? Shit. Well, I, Maybe a way to reframe this is to look at this this cycle that's focused on summer and look at previous things that you've done that, you know, at least sort of like circled around that topic. And maybe you have this gift where you're able to more directly compare different periods of your life because they've taken on a similar frame. And, you know, now that you have some distance, maybe it's easier for you to a little more objectively understand how you've grown as an artist. I I hope that's true. I words like until a while ago words like grow and artist were words that were hard for me to hear or mm. say, but it's true. I I I'll say it. I want to grow as an artist. I want to like I want to move beyond and see things in a better way, you know, and I keep going back to this, but live in a better way where uh you know, I'm not yelling at cars all the time or, yeah. or things like that. I, I gotta, Leaving New York has probably helped that part. You know, 
There's a lot of uh, people that really don't pay attention to uh, stop signs in my town. And with the dog on the leash, and that's made me – you'd be surprised how much time you can spend in therapy talking about, (laughs) like, traffic rules and violations. Sure. But I always think – you know, and I thought about it since I lived here. I always think about the river of slime in Ghostbusters too. Do you remember that? Oh, the, yeah. The just pent up and not so pent up anger that people have because you're constantly forced to interact with other people all the time. I, The weird thing about New York and I think in terms of I learned to – I learned that I wasn't going to have as much space as I wanted to. So yeah. I accepted and I learned that everybody drives crazy and I – it's weird how I accept it here. People bumping sure. into me, I'm like, that's all right, that's all right. But if someone touches me in Kingston, <laughs> I'm going to kill them. No, I mean, I don't, not really. Yeah. But it's, it feels there, I'm kind of, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I, I was pretty calm about it. I just would go about my yeah. business. I used to slap the backs of cars as I ran by them if they cut me off yeah. or spit on the wind. Don't say that. I, I would do things. <laughs> I would do things. Sure. And, but... I did it with a smile on my face. It was kind of funny because they're just stuck in a in a row of cars and yeah. they can't do anything. And I'm just cruising. You said something in an interview. You articulated something that I've thought about but hadn't actually heard articulated. I mean, you said it in a very simple way, but that there's so many bands that, you know, from, you know, when I first became familiar with the music you were making, that time period of sort of the, uh, the early aughts, or I guess just the aughts in general, that have just kind of disappeared. And I don't know how much of it, because, you know, that's something that I lived through, and I lived through it in New York and covering music. I don't know how much of that is just a sort of a broader phenomenon with the music industry, but there does seem to be something very specific about that time of all these really great, wonderful indie rock fans who maybe put out an album or two, and then, you know, didn't didn't really burn out or fade away. They just kind of weren't there anymore. Well, I think it was going... I mean, part of it's probably a business thing. I mean, you put out an album, and if you are on an okay label and or the album does well people get interested in you and give you money to do another album and if when something doesn't work or when something falls apart it's like there's not people don't I think that that happened a lot I mean it it happened to a lot of friends of mine yeah. I know that you know once you're not seemingly viable Everybody just disappears. They leave the party. And I mean, and this goes to something I'm, I think most of all about the music industry and music, and I don't want to get all bogged down, but if, if we wanted more money for streams and if we wanted, if we really wanted these things, the, the worst part about all of this is the, the music industry's biggest trick that they've pulled over everybody is to keep everybody at odds with each yeah. other. So it's like this huge battle of the bands and it, it puts you in that mindset like, you know, that there's only so many pieces of the pie and that, you know, I'm going to be friends with these people. And, you know, we have these labels that are like these small groups and they're very inclusive. And some of them are great. You know, I love some labels. But the fact is, is they keep a band from growing sometimes. And they and the smaller bands God, what's there's a band from. Do you know the band Hospitality? Yeah, oh, I love them. I yeah. love them, and they they're just, on Merge, right? They're on Merge, and it never it seemed they were like, on the show a couple of years ago, actually. Oh, yeah. great! Yeah, I mean, and they had songs about New York, which mm-hmm. I I just got the chills thinking about. But it seemed like you know, if you're a great band, 
but a smaller band on a great label, that's your, you're just going to have to, whereas if it was built right, these smaller bands, like they deserved, they deserved this kind of, you should be, people should be listening to them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people did and a lot of people do and, but there's not this kind of, um, it just feels like labels have this like group of bands and sure. and they keep them apart from this and I don't know. I've talked to a lot of indie musicians who have been doing it for a while, and who was I talking to? Would uh, you know? Wooden Wand. I was talking to him and, and he he expressed this and it's a, a sentiment I've heard a lot, which is just you know I've been touring for this long. It seems like I've, I've either plateaued or maybe the shows are getting a little bit smaller. And I don't know how much of that is me. I don't know how much of that is the problems with the industry and maybe people not coming out and seeing music. I don't know how much of it is that my audience has sort of gotten older and maybe they're like, they don't want to come out to these shows or they're having kids. But, you know, it, it does seem like the there's a certain shelf life to any musicians of a certain level where it's just sort of like, diminishing returns after a certain point sure and i could see that i will accept these things and it's all his all those ideas they're probably all partially true yeah like a bitter piece of them uh but still that doesn't mean that making music isn't important to me like i realized no i don't want to tour relentlessly if kind of it's diminishing yeah um, because I would rather be at home writing music because that's more, you know, if it's not connecting with people, then just keep writing or, you know, or come up with a new idea. I mean, my the reason I do it isn't just to for other people. It's for myself. So I don't know what else I would do, really. I, I've gotten so stuck in it's working enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not a millionaire. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a proud thousandaire and I, I – uh, but I, you know – it could work better, but I don't think I'd want more than what I have. Even during those conversations about, you know, backing away, all of those things, there was never a point when it seemed like you weren't, this wasn't going to be your thing. This wasn't going to be a, your main. You can never say never about, especially about giving up. <laughs> but like, I would always, I will write, I'll probably would, here's what sat, would happen. If I did that, then I would write so many crazy songs and I and then I would because in some ways that's what happened and I be, I got I wrote out of all of that and I realized how much I love that part of it if I didn't uh, if I wasn't you know in connect, connected to people on the internet or anything I'd still write you know just for myself in some ways um, you know when I write just words I'm really just writing for myself it's just working out what's going on in my head. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, that's, that's probably one of my favorite things to do. So I don't think I would ever be able to stop. It's, it is hard to make it um, the way that you earn money. But the only way to kind of, but you have to accept that it's a way to make money if you want to keep doing it in some ways. So, you know, it's like I said, one of my favorite parts is just is not embracing the business part of it, but not being terrified of it. Have you played your music for your therapist? Uh, does the does that confidentiality work backwards and forwards? <laughs> You're I, allowed to say what you do. Uh, what I do, uh, they're not allowed to say. They have they've listened to my music. They yeah. know they've associated my name with a um, Spotify profile and have listened. 
and um, and they think I'm all right. I mean, uh, I I don't know. I guess I guess I just mean you know since since um, music does seem to be such a therapeutic thing for you, and, and in some ways, therapy and music do seem to serve similar purposes. Totally. I mean, I think I talk. I am much more less guarded about the frustrating aspects of my mind that won't yield sometimes but and that's not like that's not podcast material because <laughs> it's just kind of like, I feel like what I like about therapy and what I like about my therapist is it's just kind of whining I mean I guess yeah. I don't and I don't want to be that person in a, and and then I'm like oh I I got it out like this is why people do this yeah it's just it's just not gonna probably sound good on record no, it would sound, you know, like spoken word. <laughs> Poor me and all, you know. I yeah, it's not good. But it's it's I like my therapist. I like I like laughing about my life or laughing at myself yeah. in a um in a confidential environment. <laughs> <laughs>